Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fins Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yak Gadget. For all your kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lighting. Go to pelican.com. The 153 Bait Company. For all your hard and soft bait needs, go to the 153anglers.com. Now let's get this show started. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lifka. Today, I got a special guest, JP. From the Off the Water podcast, how you doing today, man? What's up, everyone? Hey, Chris, how you doing, buddy? How you doing, man? I'm good. Doing I'm good. Well. I... Um, so, for people who might not know, do you kind of want to introduce yourself a little bit? Absolutely. Uh, my name's JP, or I go by JP, uh, Jay Paskowski. I'm the host of Off the Water podcast, and if you've seen my social media handles, Four Star Fishing. Um, and a little bit about me, uh, career fireman, paramedic, uh, with the city of Chicago on my days off, I'm, uh, out chasing fish, man. I'm fishing every, every opportunity I get. Um, so I've actually, uh, starting in September, I took it to a whole new level and, uh, started fly fishing, man. And I've been on the chase with the fly, uh, kind of. You know, kayak. Not that kayak fishing is winding down because I've been splitting my time equally between both. But um, you know, it's a whole different. It's a whole different chase on the fly. So it's been pretty cool. So that's the new adventure I've been doing. But uh, you know, kayak wise, I've been uh, kayak fishing since 2016. Um, in you know, up to where I'm at today. Uh, pretty much chasing chasing after bass, done tournaments. Um, obviously, where me and you met, we met. Uh, on the panel of fin trail series. So I've had my share of tournament involvement as well, uh, behind the scenes. So, uh, got a whole, whole realm of, uh, 
of kayak fishing and I love it, man. I, it's what I live for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel the same way, man. I mean, fishing in general, you know, I've been chasing all types of things. Anything that swims is kind of my target, right? but uh, what yeah. I want. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of funny because, you know, we're like today was like, I, uh, I hate when mother nature has her own plans. I was planning <laughs> out being, being uh, out fishing and then just the way the wind was blowing, there was no relief whatsoever and it was unforgiving. So uh, my fishing today was cut short, but, uh, but, you know, we're getting ready here to, you know, go into the freeze, if you will, um, with yeah. winter coming around the corner. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I know, and but at the same time, in my in my mind, I'm thinking, man, I gotta start planning my trip down to the golf, and now that I'm uh, fly fishing, start targeting oh, stuff fly fishing geez. down there. <laughs> it's a whole other expense, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> As if we don't spend enough money on fishing. I know. <laughs> but, uh, the reason I wanted to have you on is kind of like you said, you, you recently started fly fishing. I kind of wanted to know, like, I, I know you made a post about it, and I know me and you personally talked about it, but I kind of wanted to have you on the podcast and just let me know what the mindset was and what made you want to do it versus, and, and just start from there, and then we could go from there. Sure. Yeah, so... You know, what kind of inspired me was a couple years ago. So here in Illinois, we have um, stocked trout in the inland lakes and some rivers. So I was conventional fishing for trout, you know, using, you know, using a uh, size eight hook and, you know, rolling the the uh, power dough, you know, like a little, uh, for those who don't know what power dough is or power bait. It's um, it's like Play-Doh for trout that they eat. It mimics the uh, food pellets they get. So you cast it out with a, you know, with a split shot weight on it. Have a bobber as an indicator, and um, you know, you just pretty much wait. And I saw a guy with a fly rod, and he just started picking trout left and right. I was like, that dude, that dude looks really cool. The way he's doing that, I was like, huh. So then, uh, that was like 2015, 2016. But what really kind of inspired me was uh, in 2017, I was out west in uh, in Yellowstone, and man, I mean, Yellowstone, the name itself enough is just enough to tell you how beautiful that place is. But you know they have uh, the Yellowstone River, which has cutthroat trout, and you just see guys walking that river, fly fishing for trout in literally God's country. And I'm like, I need to get back out here one day. I want to have the skill set to do this and do it right when I come out. So, you know, life happened. You know, I met my wife, uh, you know, and just kind of, you know, kayak fishing really was very, um, you know, I I had all the equipment necessary and and it was there. And I just did it and kind of put fly fishing on the back burner up until this year. So this year I turned 31. And, you know, people people do a lot of different things for their birthdays. Some people want to go out and get, you know, absolutely hammered and not remember. Some people want to, you know, just be low back, you know, low-key, laid back, which all are great. But for me personally, 
I wanted to kind of make, I, I wanted to teach myself something and acquire a new skill. And that's where fly fishing came in. I'm like, you know what? I've been putting this off. Let's, let's put it to the hammer, man. Let's do it. So um, the next day uh, I went, I got an Overus, uh, a five weight, uh, nine foot fly fishing rod. Uh, and I went right to my local river where there was an open area. You know, I really, I just tied on a fly, which, at, you know, I, I, I really didn't know what like a streamer or nymph or popper. I just kind of tied on thinking, okay, I could do this. Uh, my first mistake uh, as any rookie would be was I tied right to the leader. <laughs> I didn't tie any tippet. I was just like, what's tippet? Eh, let's tie it to leader and see what happens. When I saw the price of what a lever cost, I'm like, yeah, I gotta invest in tippet. <laughs> oh yeah. So um oh, yeah. so so anyhow, so I uh I but the point was it wasn't really trying to go and um you know catch fish. I wanted to learn and I literally studied everything I learned was off of YouTube and studying YouTube on how to cast. So starting just with the regular overhand cast, um, watching, you know, the biggest thing they were telling you is watch where your fly lands on your bat, on your uh, bat cast. Because, you know, and, and another tip that I found very useful was taking the butt end of the rod. And if you have a long sleeve like this, pointing the butt end so your wrist is completely flush and aligned with the rod. So you're keeping a straightforward cast. Kind of learned that discipline early on. And it's held out good. Another tip I learned too was taking your index finger and keeping it aligned with the uh, with the blank of the rod as well. And so that way you keep a straightforward cast. So I got that down. Um, I then learned how to roll cast. I went to a lake for my next session. Went to a lake, learned how to roll cast while having the fly in the water. So bringing it up uh, through and then how to um sidewind as well or um you know sidecast sidecast yeah sidecasting as well and believe it or not a lot i didn't realize it but a lot of my accuracy in terms of having especially with like you know now that i'm tying nymphs and stuff but tying like a like a nymph or woolly bugger a lot of that accuracy um when it when you just want the tippet to fall and that fly to hit, and you don't want the you don't want the leader to really whip, is coming from that side from that side cast, man. And I was like, damn, it's again pretty accurate with that that way. So um, learning the techniques, and then so once I learned the techniques, now it was time to figure out what lures, or I should say, what now? Sorry again, switching between both, but uh. But what flies are, you know, what flies are what? And, you know, there's kind of some similarities, but differences in, in terms of flies. But, you know, there's the pop, you know, and I, I started off like an assortment kit. So, like, there's poppers, there's nymphs, there's streamers. Those are your, like, three real basic general ones. And, um, but each one has a different way. And, and the one thing I've learned now that I'm catching fish Different present, it, it it's all about the. I mean, literally, it's all about the presentation, and that's all a hundred percent accurate. If you could see the one thing I like is that I could see 
especially in calm water, when you're pulling your when you're pulling the backing to do your retrieve, you could see the action, especially like with a woolly bug, because it has that little the thump, the thump when you're pulling back on it, and when you pull it back fast, um, you know it, it creates like almost like a flutter, and you just see a bunch of fish run right to it, you know. Now the trick is getting the fish to strike, which will go down further a little bit, but um. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, so I learned the technique. Now it was, uh, you know, I, I felt confident enough because this was three weeks worth of practice. So I'm like, all right, well, they're going to start stocking the trout. Um, so I wound up going to Rock Creek, which is in uh, by Mantino, Kankakee. It's like Kankakee County, Will County area. Um, but it's a tributary uh, that flows into the Kankakee River. And I'm like, okay, well, now it's time to put what I learned to use. And, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, what I've known about trout in, in terms of streams, because, again, like a stream and a lake are two different things. And put, applying that, you know, those trout hang out in, you know, the, the if you find the faster currents with the ripples – if you find, um, you know, if you could find that and then find a flat, they're holding on the flat. If you can find them, you know, in, in a break pocket, they'll sometimes hold off to the side and ambush over there, um, which was all great. But I went with a couple, I went with uh, another fireman who was fly fish for several years. And <laughs> the first time out, I mean, we, I caught a rock bass. That was cool, but we couldn't put anything together for these trout. And I'm like, whoa. And, and he said the same thing. He's like, everywhere we hit, they should have been. Now, again, the river, um, you know, was low. So it was probably low enough where if they if they dumped them into the – or I'm sorry, the creek. If they dumped them into the creek, they scattered, right? So now, now you're thinking – and this is, again, the mindset right here. It's about the chase and the hunt for it now. You're, you're not just expecting to – throw a fly out and, and catch a fish, you literally have to hunt these things down. So I will say this. We found the um, the golden trouts. You know about the golden uh, trout? Yeah. yeah. Palom- it, they're also called palomino trout. Right, like or that. albino yeah. trout. Yeah. I've heard them called albino trout. So, um, so we found them, and, you know, one to, you know, I there's two things that came to mind. One, this thing is so um, sensitized to human interaction that it didn't even flinch when we were walking up the creek, right? Like it's just like, okay, it's another lake that's coming through the water. I'm just still gonna chill here. And then the other thing was we saw it, obviously, we were gonna fish for it, and we're throwing our flies at it. I'm telling you. We're, we're, we're letting the, the, I was throwing a little nymph, letting the nymph just kind of float. We're fluttering. I'm even, I'm even whipping the nymph at it. Like it's landing right on top of it, not even phased. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, I spent literally half an hour just trying to lure this trout to hit this nymph and wasn't having it. So whatever, we backed up, called it a day. And I was like, well, I gotta get back. So, couple days went by we had a good rain 
and it raised the water level significantly in the creek when I went back the second time. And I did the same pathway. And then um, it wasn't until towards the end, because there was another storm rolling in. It wasn't towards the end that I was like, all right, well, here's our last attempt. And then, bam, hooked up. I was like, oh, cool. And I got it on the, I got it on the GoPro. There's a, you know, a little video release. But, you know, it, it – it wasn't the biggest, was it the biggest trout in the world? Absolutely not. I mean, I've caught, you know, bigger trout conventional fishing. However, it was, it was the pursuit of catching that trout on a fly that made it that's, that's special. Cause there's, you know, and we'll break it down even more. I mean, it's that yeah. special. I mean, I, yeah. I definitely feel the same way. Like uh, can, you can definitely catch a lot more fish, no matter the species. Yeah, definitely catch a lot more fish conventional, but it's there's something about when you pick up the fly rod, it just becomes like you said the pursuit of it, and then when you finally connect with that fish, it, it's a, it's more of like a journey and like a I, I don't know exact word for it, but you know it, it's something special versus just throwing conventional gear. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history, designed by John Browning. The 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. There's so much that goes into it. There's yeah. so much from scouting out and, and finding you know what we like if you were to compare it to like conventional fishing right you all right so like the pre-fishing okay so your pre-fishing is walking this creek or walking a lake because that's the next part we're going to come to and and seeing you know finding the area and even finding fish i mean here's the thing if if you really if you don't see any fish for the most part they're really not there because it's there's not too many places for them to hide. It's one pretty it's one pretty straight way, and they're not really they're skittish, but they're very territorial. Um, what I've learned about rainbow trout, they're very territorial, and so they will stick if not they won't go too far from the areas that they that's their domain. But you know it's you know selecting the right you know, the right fly, you know, again, and for some reason they're fucking there. They are particular about colors. One color works better than the other. And, you know, you, you want to think that, you know, you're trying to match what the forge is, but it, it, there's just something in their DNA that they're attracted to certain colors and certain conditions. Yeah. throw little pink, man. I, I you gotta buy. There's a fly called the pink squirrel. <laughs> that that's what you use in the driftless area. Okay, sure. it's a nymph, and it's all pink. And nice. for some reason, it works, man. Like, hey, man, and that's yeah. I mean, that's becoming a bucket place of mine. You know, the next pursuit is for either a brown trout or a smallie. But you know, going further on. Um, you know, and you talk about it, you know, it, what everything, you know, ties together. Um, the next stop for me in, in fly fishing was on 
was it Monday? Yeah. So, but you know, Monday. So now a little more about the trout opener, you know, the heart. So now after Saturday morning, you can harvest trout. So as me and you both know, they stock about a thousand trout in every lake and they're gone. I mean, if you're not, if literally after Monday, if it's a Saturday morning and by Monday afternoon, there's really nothing left. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's just the nature the big fish bite first because they want to eat first. And most people catch the big fish right off the bat. And then, you know, it's the ones that trickle on down. So I went to two different, actually three different lakes. The first two lakes I went to, I struck out. I saw some trout, but they were, that was one thing this year that I've noticed. All these trout, regardless of where they were at, they were all small this year. They were, I mean, I don't think anything crossed over. And I'm looking at guys and they're stringers too. I don't think anything crossed over maybe 12, 13 inches. I mean, they were all small guys. So the first two I went to, I struck out. Actually, the one, they were draining the lake. I was like, uh, well, this ain't going to help me. <laughs> so, um, but the third lake I went to, um, just from knowing the lake and fishing there conventionally. And this is where I saw, this is where, this is the lake where I saw that guy fly fish and just started picking the, it just started picking them. I was like, all right, here we go. I kind of knew the area where he was at. I went to that area and I saw another albino Polynesian golden trout. I was like, Oh, he's in that area. And all of a sudden, yeah, this is the part about having good, good polarized glasses you just see i mean a whole school of trout just stacked i'm like holy crap i'm looking at i mean they're cruising this it's like a weedy flat they're just cruising i'm like oh dude this is going to be awesome the one thing that really was a challenge was there was overhang so you had to be very peculiar about your cast and it was all side it was sidewind and roll casting and there was just one spot because i figured out walking around a little bit more so there's a um there's like a little cut through which water is running obviously those trout want to be next to running water or within that area because food passes through there and chris it was like fish in a barrel, man. Literally, I I was I was throwing a uh, a size twelve woolly bugger, uh, and I I was throwing actually I was throwing a bunch of different things beforehand. I had one that had like some purple and pink to it. Um, wasn't having it. I switched that. I switched to a green, like a um, uh, what do you call that? Um, like an olive. Olive, what do we call it in the fishing world? Um, oh my god, I'm having a brain fart. Come uh, on, Chris. Tubing, man. Chris, what's oh, the green? What's the green? What's the green that we? Um, let's try choose. No, no, no. Hold on. You gotta have some, man. Green pumpkin. Green pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> green pumpkin. <laughs> yeah. Green. 
So it was like a green, like a green, olive green, you know, green pumpkin color, woolly bugger. And at first cast, holy crap. It like, there was like three, I could see the bodies just kind of swarm right at this thing. And then for two hours, it was like playing with a puppy for like two hours. You were just casting this and they'd hit it. You'd set the hook, reel it in, you know, and that was like the other part too. The how bad the overhang was, you couldn't lift your rod up too high. So if you weren't, I wasn't keeping them. So if I got them close enough to where I could get them up with enough pressure off the hook, they'd shake themselves off and go, you know. And that's like that's the other thing too. Like a lot of guys, you know, when you're conventional fishing, you know, even with trout, you, you know, you want to handle them delicately because they're very they're they're much more prone um to injury than you know, other predatory, you know, predator fish. So just letting them go and, and be free. But man, I, like I said, it was like fish in a barrel. I caught, I reeled into shore about a dozen within an hour and then just watch them. Just, it was just so cool. Watch them swarm up, trying to grab it. You know, I start peeling back line and making it work like a topwater almost jump, you know, their tails swir- swerving at it. I tell you that, that was just so cool to watch all that happen. And that's literally like, and that, that was just it. It was trying to piece together the puzzle. And once you piece together that puzzle and it happened and everything worked, holy crap, it, it makes it that much more rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. So you, um, so basically you had a lot of success, but it took a little time, basically. Yes. Well, yes, I it mean, did. I would say probably the casting took the longest time. I know yeah. a lot of people struggle with that. And then are you saying you're moving on to either smallmouth or brown trout? Yeah. And when is that coming? Is that coming soon or is that coming next year? Well, it all depends on when I could get out. I I do want to do a I, – I, I'm looking at doing a trip to – um, the Dwajek River, which is a tributary of the St. Joe, which is one of the only cold water uh, creeks or streams in southern Michigan. And it is a certified brown trout, you know, by, um, by uh, you know, the tra- Trout Unlimited. It is a certified trout creek, um, but it holds uh, brown trout in there. So I'd like to catch some browns out of there. And then smallmouth, actually, I was – I was trying to uh, flip around today for some, but the uh, the wind was just wicked. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. I I wasn't. You try to cast it, and, and the wind would just take would just take your fly. I'm like, all right. I actually today I was throwing a I was throwing a streamer because uh, I was in the river, so trying to throw a streamer to mimic bait fish. Yeah, you got to come out with me. Man. Are you the streamer king? <laughs> No, not not. I wouldn't say streamer king, but I know a little. I know a thing or two. I mean, I have all. I probably have all the stuff you need for sure. Because I got right now. I, I have a five weight, two eight weights, and a ten weight. So, so, so. I don't, I don't think my wife's listening, but shh. I uh I bought an eight weight rod yesterday. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> from uh from Chicago fly fitter uh, fisher. 
uh, private or, seller on Facebook. Oh, nice. Oh, so it hasn't came in yet. Oh, no, I have it. Oh, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> what line is on there? This floating line? Um, yeah, so it's actually it's the same Ovaris. Uh, it's the Encounter. Okay. So it's uh, it's floating fly line, and then I he has a different he had a different leader tied onto it, but um, I replaced the leader and then put my own tippet on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we gotta get out soon. I told you, man, the carp is where it's at, dude. <laughs> so let, let me pick your brain a little bit here, Chris. Let's go. So so fly fishing for carp, right? Yeah. Um. How so? When you so carp, carp for me are pretty like when I'm like when I'm fishing for smallmouth or just regularly fishing, I see them all the time. Like and they're pretty. I mean, they're gonna be searching in the same spots where bass and smallmouth are, rocks, you know, anywhere that's that has crystal <clears throat> on the bottom for them to pick up. Uh, what size, what size fly rod are you using? I'm using the eight weight because of the fight. Okay. Now you can you can use the five. For you can use the five weight depending on how big the the carp are in that area. I mean, because we all know carp can get huge. Yeah. Oh yeah. Man, so I always just use the eight weight just to be safe. Just to be safe. And then um, as far as tippet goes, uh, I believe it'll be like a two X, which is like a twelve pound tippet. Okay, and your time. So the way I was taught and I learned, and if you could, if you know otherwise, please enlighten me because I'm picking up anything I can know. So Dude, the tippet, open book, man. I've been doing it for over five years now, tying so, and, and fishing. So, so the tippet, I I always, from what I learned, it wasn't based upon the uh, pound test. It was based upon the size of the fly. And you use like the, they call it the rule of threes and fours. So you would you like say if you had like a size well in your case let's say like a size six right it'd be like a size six uh, fly. So that's where you would use if you're dividing it by three or four. So six divided by three would be two, four would be two and a half. But they don't make two and a half. So you'd use a two x tippet for yeah. that. So you're using a size six, which is a pretty big fly. It, it can be. It all depends on how they tie it. Like it, it's weird when talking carp because you're using the heavier tippet because of how big that fish is or can be. Okay. And the way they pull, it's almost like I don't know if, if you watch redfish videos. Sure. Where guys like they're eating at the bottom, and you gotta cast right to them, and as soon as you hook up with them, they take off, and they're just lying screaming. No matter if it's conventional or fly, you know they're gonna take off. And same thing with carp. And I mean, the flies could I tie flies on a size ten hook all the way up to a size six hook. It's really like Lake Michigan carp, obviously. They're eating. They're not eat, really eating crayfish or anything. They're eating the same stuff the bass are eating, and they're more predatory and more likely to strike like a bass versus a a carp in a river. Okay, that's so, cool. 
<laughs> yes. I can tell you where they are too. I know which break walls. I know I know what time they're there too. <laughs> oh, I can believe it, man. I've been looking to get me into into a Lake Michigan cart, dude. But yeah, they're, they're they're all they're all along those break walls in the summertime. Dude, they'll ruin you though. <laughs> well, someone did say I heard that comparison. The closest you can get to redfish and fresh water is with the carp. Yes. As far as exactly how they eat and how they do things, as far as once after you hook them, yes. Obviously, I've never been redfishing before, but if you kind of watch the, the fly fishing videos that people put up, it's almost identical to exactly how you're casting for them. People say they'll go look for carp when you're practicing to go red fishing. Okay. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. You know what? When I was, uh, oh, man, I didn't take the opportunity to do it. I It probably would have either broke me off because I wasn't using that heavy of a tippet yet or uh, on Monday. But I did see a decent-sized carp swimming, swimming that same flat that those trout were in. Yeah, I mean, the swimming carp, are harder to catch. You want to kind of see them in the mud, just standing there trying to find something to eat. And you got to be like dead accurate with that. You got to get it on the left or the right side of the carp and just watch it sink. Okay. It's it's more visual than it is a, a strike. Unless you're in Lake Michigan, then like the, all the rules are kind of broken. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a different species altogether. And but cool. yeah, dude. And then, I mean, smallmouth are, you know, I don't go anything lower than a 12, but then again, I'm also throwing way bigger flies that are articulated and have two or three hooks on them. And oh, wow. All, all, this, <laughs> all this crazy, crazy stuff, man. The, uh, the one just... I was throwing today was a crawfish imitator yeah. uh, before I tied on. The streamer that was uh, a baitfish imitator. Yeah. I mean, uh, sticking with simple things will lead to the most success. And then it's kind of, you know, it's just like conventional fishing. You could get as deep as you want into this game, or you could stick to simple tactics and still have success. I mean, and like the target areas are still the same. Like, you know, if you're fishing for a smallmouth, you're going to look, if you're in a river, you're going to look for, you know, the breaks and the eddies and the slack. Mm-hmm. You know, same way you're going to target. I mean, the, the, they're going to be, it doesn't change where they're going to be at. It's just a different presentation to them. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that's different for carbon rivers versus smallmouth is I'm, I'm looking for the flat areas kind of the stuff that gets completely gets rid of the current. Okay. And smallmouth, yeah, smallmouth is a smallmouth, you know. First off, they're they're aggressive. So if you put it close enough to them, they're probably going to eat it, especially in a river. Yeah. And, but, 
Yeah, man. That's I mean, ask away at any time, dude. Yeah, no. So I seriously like the next thing I have for you is um, you know, when you're fly fishing for carp, what kind of flies are you using? Uh nymphs, like nymph patterns, but instead of like the the round bead, because they gotta be weighted because they gotta hit the bottom. Okay. I'm using like uh it's called a bead chain eyes. Basically it's just black. And all it does is make that hook point right up so you're not snagging into the bottom. Okay. And, I mean, you got to be spot on with it, man. <laughs> like, it's yeah. it's fun and it's hard, but, like, I know I know a couple spots where I can get you on cart pretty easily whenever you got the time for it. As long as they're there, that means we're going to catch them. When do you go carp fishing for uh, for the most part? Uh, Fox River, and then I have a couple ponds that are kind of like real easy to uh to catch them. Uh, what time, like, what time, what's your time frame? Spring, fall, I'd say year round. Well, summer's the best time, okay? Summer's kind of the best time. It's kind of like, um, you know, if you're going around the schedule of what you want to fish for throughout the year, it's kind of, um, Early springtime, coming right out of winter, I'm going musky fishing. And then once it gets to a certain degree, then we I start bass fishing again. And uh, summertime, when, like, all the other fishing's kind of slow, that's when you really kind of get into the cart. I mean, but you can catch them year-round as long as you know where you're looking. Just like any fish, you know, once you figure out the fish and figure out where they go, you could catch any fish pretty much year-round. Yeah, that's cool. And then uh, where are you? So you, you said you're tying your own flies? Absolutely, man. Cool. Dude. So do you have any, uh, do you have like, can you grab one or two or just kind of show what you have, like what you made? <laughs> right here. This is musky now. Okay. This is what they call like a single Buford. I kind of messed up on it. That's why it's sitting here and not in a box. And that's just another musky fly. Right. That's so. When you're whipping that around, do you have like? Is it like a, a ten or twelve? It's a ten weight, ten, ten weight with a full sinking line, and it's like a whole different casting technique. You know, you don't really want it whipping over your head, and you're not going to get perfect loose because it's so uh, uh, air resistant. You know, and that those are small ones. <laughs> <For muskies. Like laughs> they get up to 15 inches man some of those flies holy christ so um so do you do you follow our rock town team right absolutely dude okay are you familiar with uh with one of our team members uh austin yeah i fished with them before ah uh, dude yeah that's all he does he chases muskie and uh in the, the kayak yeah, yeah. On the fly amazing. in the kayak, dude. Dude's amazing, man. I met him it has to be four or five years ago now. We were I was doing shows and we met through a mutual buddy who no longer fishes. But yeah, I, I know him pretty well. Yeah, I was supposed to have him on the podcast to talk about it, but you know, life's kind of got busy for him, so hasn't really yeah. made it work out. <laughs> but, 
Dude, man, any anytime you're you're up to to do any of that, I have no problem teaching you or going to the river with you, man. Yeah, for sure, dude. Like I said, I, I think next month um, in November, I, I have a buddy who's coming in from Denver, um, who you know he he's doing um he's doing it, it's called firehouse fishing, okay. and what it is, um, he's he's a fellow fireman, uh, he's doing a documentation series with um, how like the stressors of the job and how fishing relieves it. And he's following guys from, from all over the country. And so he's going to do one with me, but he was supposed to come out in October, uh, but stuff fell through with, with our department and, you know, we'll leave that for another conversation, but it got reapproved for him to come out. Uh, the, so I think it's the 14th. Yeah. He's going to ride with us on the 15th. So, you know, I, I told him, like, it, you know, it's kind of hit or miss with convention, you know, fishing for bass because that water temperature is going to be chilly for them. But I go, we can go take a ride to Michigan because as I was looking at the drift list, I forgot the drift list closes on the 15th. Um, but Michigan still has St. Joe and all the tributaries. So that's where I'm like, maybe we'll hit up the Dewajik River and fish and fly fish the Dewajik for, uh, for some brown trout. And that water should be getting cold enough to where they're super active. Oh, yeah, it's probably good now. I would try throwing streamers for it. And uh, you got to look up the the D. It's called a D&D, a drunken disorderly. It's it's a streamer. Fine, let me write that down. D and D. Yes. Drunk and disorderly. It was made by a fly fishing guide. I believe he's out of Michigan. Dude. And that's all he does is chase, uh, chase brown trout on the streamer, dude. And nice. He developed that pattern specifically for them fish. Okay. But I don't know how, how to get your hands on one, per se. I'm sure if you call a fly shop around there, they would have it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Now, have you ever fly fished Lake Michigan for trout or carp or any fish, if that? I've done Lake Michigan for carp, but that's in a secret spot we can't talk about. Oh. <laughs> Here's my fingers. My toes are below me if you want to break them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I got a buddy who does it pretty much year-round on Lake Michigan who, you know, kind of showed me the ropes. Okay, but it's it's more uh, more up up ways out of Chicago. Oh, all right. So, now, have you caught any trout while fly fishing on Lake Michigan or steelhead or anything no. that's run through? You know, I thought about you. I'm never, like, <laughs> I've never really targeted trout. I've always wanted to go up to the driftless. I've never really had people to go with, and it's kind of didn't want to go by myself type of deal. Okay, but it's always been musky. It's always been musky uh, and carp as the primaries for uh, for fly fishing, and then bass. You know, when I hit the rivers, I do bass for fly fishing, but I also, you know, I do conventional for bass. Too. Yeah, yeah, so. buddy. Uh, yeah, I tell you, I was, you know what, and you know, as much as like the fly is awesome, I've been also trying to capture. Uh, I've been trying to catch hogs on uh umbrella rig as well that's just as bad as fly fishing <laughs> oh, yeah. 
you know, and you know what? And I, I got the last time I was out on Lake Michigan, I got a nice solid hit, but I think they hit because with umbrella rigs here in the state of Illinois, you have to cut two of the hooks. Yeah. You can't have them all. So attached. it's only, it's only uh, what? Three hooks then, right? Yeah. So I think he hit one of the false hooks. I'm like, <laughs> I'm telling you that the way, the way that small mouth struck it, it was, it was a pig. I was like, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, I could believe it. I mean, honestly, when you're chasing bass, uh, I would say conventional is the best way to go as far as if you want to catch, you know, a lot of fish. Yeah. And, I mean, like I said earlier, you know, fly is more of a experience. And, you know, there's times where I go regular fishing on conventional gear, not catch anything and be mad. But if I go on a fly, uh, fly fishing trip, I, at the end of the day, I don't really care as much. For some reason, I don't know why, but the mindset is just, I, I don't know if it's just enjoyable casting that fly rod versus casting a conventional rod and not catching fish or or what it is. But the mindset, you know, I just enjoy it a lot more. I hate I hate to be that like, and I, and I think I understand it now, but like, I remember like guys, like when I was younger, like I remember seeing fly fishermen and it was like, I don't know. I don't want to say they were one uppers, but like they were kind of like snobby. Oh, they can be. And I was like, eh. they definitely can be <laughs> like, uh. but I get it. Like I get it now because I, I'm not in, this is just a comparison, but anybody could throw a crankbait out, reel it back and have a fish come on. Right. It takes a skill to, to present, Pretty much feathers. I mean, mm-hmm. feathers and wire and a hook to to entice a fish to bite it. You know, it, and when you do that... You got to really know the fish right? In, in order to get them. Right, and, you know, it takes, like like we talked earlier in, this, in the beginning of this podcast, it takes all that buildup to get to that point. And when it mm-hmm. happens, it's, it's, it's magical. I know it's it's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, dude, and it's definitely different. Yeah, but I mean, so I know you got another podcast to be on, and so do I. So, yeah. So, um, you know what? I got one last question for you. Yeah, go for it, man. So, wait, now, are you walking creeks and rivers and getting in, or are you from shore? I got the waders. Dude. What are you what are you using in terms of wading gear? Uh, I got Sims, I believe it's a Sims tributary wading uh well yeah, wading pants or they're not like um you know like the regular wading outfit where it comes up to the shoulder straps and then okay. uh, wading boots. That okay now the boots what are they the boots that came with the uh you know, with with your tributary set, or did you buy those different? It's separately, separately. Okay, so it's like the the I don't know if you call them socks, but you, um, it's not it's not the cheap set that comes with the boots and the waders together. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment. 
the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Right. They're like my uh, NRS. I have Sidewinders. Yeah. Okay. And then you buy the boot. So my question is, do you are you familiar with the NRS boundary boot? No. Okay. I've used those for kayaking. I've and they've been great. I just replaced a pair. I literally just got the pair in today and I've replaced a pair that I've had for three years. If the the contour of the uh of the sole finally ripped after beating the hell out of them. My my question is is that if you've used the sidewinders or I'm sorry, if you use the um, boundary boot, which is the, that pairs with the sidewinders, versus the um, Sims, like the uh, the tributary or the uh, the one they have the uh, Trek four, you know, four point Yeah, I think I have the free. I think they're called the. They may not have them anymore because I bought them like two, three years ago. They were called the Freestone wading boot, I believe okay. it was called. I'd have to look it up to be honest with you. Are they pretty dry? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They are. I mean, I've the only time I've gotten wet in my waders is when I've had a hole, which I'm currently repairing right now. <laughs> okay, but but because yeah, I mean, I I was starting to take on water from those ripping, so I because I'm actually I I don't want to say that the NRS sidewinders are you know. I like these are brand new. Actually, sit tight for one second. Brand new from Rocktown came in the mail today. So I don't know if you can see them. Yep. So they got the. It's a whole new design, which NRS did, right? And they're, they go all the way up, but these go with my Sidewinder. So just the same way as those bibs are. Um, this is double reinforced. There's a, it's a half up to five millimeter neoprene, uh, but the, the the construction of the sole. So like, right here, this is where it tore apart the last time. On your boots, do you think after walking all those rocks, uh, are those boots holding? You said three years, so they're holding up pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So man. I mean, I'm I know. About- the NRS might might hold up well too. It's just I don't know if a bibs will be good enough for wading, as far as a whole day on the river. Okay. Yeah, There's, they're meant for cold water. Okay. I mean, I've never personally tried them, so. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm gonna go with a actually like I'll use these for the kayak, but actually get like a pair of like the the hiking boot style. Um. You know, uh, boots. boots. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, the hiking boots, uh, wading boots is good because then you can also buy uh, an accessory for them. Uh, they're like, uh, like spikes, kind of. Okay, yeah, like cleats. So you, yeah, so you could grip the the rocks better. I haven't personally done that yet, 
because I still use my wading boots and waders when I'm on the kayak, especially like now when it's getting colder out. Okay. But so I don't, I haven't put those on and I don't know if they're removable and the boot is still good. Okay. But that's something you could look into, especially if you're not going to be putting it on a boat or a kayak uh, as you're fishing with them. Yeah, I, I think I'm doing two separate outfits of, of yeah. those. So cool, man. All right. Well, Chris, th- I know you said you have to go, and I'm not going to hold you up anymore. <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, we both got a couple podcasts to do today. <laughs> yeah, I got a seminar I got to sit in on. Nice. So. Nice. All right, Chris. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you having me on tonight. Yeah. Uh, the only uh, other question I had to end the show is, you know, what uh, from your experience, what do you recommend for people who haven't tried fly fishing yet? My recommendation is don't be afraid of it. Um, seriously, the first thing, do what I, I would, you know, everyone has their preference on what they want to do. Learn how to cast first. Don't worry about catching fish. You'll, you'll get to that point. But learn how to learn how to cast first because that's going to make life, if you go into the, the mindset, right? So I want to fly fish to catch a fish. Well, it's not that easy. What you want to do is you need to learn how to cast first, then learn the lures or the learn the flies. And then once you learn the fly, the flies, learn how to target those fish, um, whether it's trout, smallmouth, whatever you're targeting. And then really after all those, after you've successfully acquired those skills, then put all those skills to the, uh, to use then go start hunting down fit. It, it, it makes it makes your mental uh, it makes your psyche so much easier, and it makes the sting not if you don't catch something or if you do something you have no you know do something wrong. You know how to mitigate the situation because you've practiced before you've gone out. So practice first, and then go chase your fish. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I know I've had uh, in the beginning of my stages. I had. Um, a lot of kind of setbacks because I was more focused on the fish than I was uh, the casting. And then I kind of just sat down and really learned the casting of it. And um, I mean, like I, like I was telling you, you know, depending on the fish you chase also, the cast might change. Uh, you yeah. Know, throwing a musky fly versus throwing a nymph is two totally different things on a fly rod. Yeah. Um, so I would visit your local fly shop. And kind of tell them what your plans are. Like, I, I'm sure you probably did. I know you gave them a shout out, our local fly shop, a shout mm-hmm. out. Yeah. They, Chicago Fly Fishing Company outfitter. Oh, yeah. They got plenty of my yep. money. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they they definitely pointed me in the right direction. Whether when I was buying my waders and when I was buying my first uh, fly fishing setup. You know, I made the mistake of going to Cabela's and just buying a rod for a, a fly fishing rod and reel without knowing anything. Mm-hmm. And it kind of set me back on everything I actually needed versus versus just going and getting it from the people who do it every day, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And, like, you know, like the five and like I, I the five weight, it was great to start out with, you know, and, and I st- obviously – for like rainbow trout, 
you know, and local like ponds, you know, that's going to be my go-to fly rod. But now that I, I feel comfortable throwing that, I've, I've stepped up to the uh, eight weight. So now they always say the eight weight is the most versatile. And I called before I did all this, I called Chicago fly fishing uh, outfitters and I talked and I talked to them. I'm like, Hey, you know, I, I started with this. Now I'm upgrading to this. I go, I want to start chasing some bigger trout, some bass, like eight weight all day. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it, you know, he goes, and that's the other thing too. I'm like, what about like in terms of the length of the rods? I like, these are all nine foot. He goes, for the most part, you'll get away with anything on a nine foot. He goes, when people start going into like, like say St. Joe, for example, if you're going onto the actual St. Joe, people use a longer rod because you have more room to cast. But for, for everything you described where you fish, so the small creeks, you know, you're going to like, you know, the, the ponds and stuff like that. And, you know, I was telling about the roll casting because the overhang goes nine foot is like the ideal for, for what you want to do. So, yeah, especially like unless you're technically, you're getting into like technical fishing. Yeah. I mean, kind of just like your conventional bass rods, you know, you got technical rods for technical things. Yep. But, um, like a medium heavy for bass to put it in conventional terms, a medium heavy rod can probably get away with almost everything. You know, except for mm-hmm. finesse fishing, and just that's similar to your nine foot uh, fly casting rod that you can pretty much do everything with it, unless you're fishing those those rivers that require 10, 11 foot poles every day or at least once a week. It's not necessary. Yeah. You know. Yep. Absolutely. So I appreciate you joining me, man. And uh, right. this, this is a good, refreshing talk. Hell yeah. <laughs> out of, out of the, you know, other than the tournament seas, which, I mean, I still love tournaments, but it's nice to kind of switch things up, man. Absolutely. For sure. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. No, no problem, Chris. Anytime, yeah. buddy. And, you know, I, I'll definitely hit you up when uh, the next time I plan on going out, we'll make something work. Yeah, definitely, man. For sure. All right, buddy. Have a good one. You too. I'll talk to you. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button, and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.